What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 70 of the Lombard Trucking Show. Can you believe it? 70, 70 episodes. I'm pumped. Uh, you know, probably not as special as 69, I'd say. I'd say 69 was the real mile marker I'm going to. So, which means now we got to make it all the way to 420, uh, you know, or else, or else then what the hell did I even get into this for? But um, no delays on this one. Uh, I was texted very, uh, very suddenly, very briefly to do uh, to get this episode recorded. So if you couldn't tell by my outfit, this is actually exactly what I wore uh, when I was talking to Blythe, uh, because at time of recording, I actually did it right after I spoke with Blythe. But uh, and so we timed this a little bit before 69 uh, because I had to get the story down, because if you're watching, not listening, you can see I have two guests with me. One of them is my very good friend, Chris, a.k.a. the Indie Trucker. You can find him everywhere, especially Twitter as Indie Trucker. He is actively engaged uh, on freight Twitter. He's, oh, you could follow his whole life over the road. He has an interesting one. He's got an old school truck. He could run outlaw if he wanted to, but he chooses, he chooses not to. He, he, he's got the ELD, a, a beautiful long nose freight liner, but he told me he's, he has a gentleman. He said, you got to get his story because he has seen both sides of the page from pre pre deregulation of trucking, uh, into afterwards in, into becoming an owner operator. And he just has, you know, some fantastic stories. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Dave to the show. Dave, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, man. So you've had an interesting story. Uh, you know, as, as Chris has told me, we kind of engaged with it offline. He was shooting me some text about it. So yeah. What is your story? Where'd you start? How'd you, how'd you get started, man? Well, um, actually didn't really think I was going to be a trucker. I was a mechanic at the time, not a very good one. And um, I met a girl and her father worked for Consolidated Freightways. Well, at that time, he didn't want it. There, there was a stigma between, you know, the, because he was an old school guy, had been at CF for, you know, almost 40 years at that time. And he didn't want the stigma of a son-in-law working with him at that time. So he got me, he got me hooked up with a company called motor cargo. And I started working the freight docks, you know, go in at midnight, get off at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, lumping freight. And that's back when it wasn't palletized. There was one forklift for the entire dock and you put everything on a cart and pulled it out, put it on a pallet. And then you know, somebody you'd haul for a tow motor and they'd come pick it up and load it into a route trailer. What year is this? This was uh, 1991. Awesome. And um, I wanted to learn how to drive. Well, Ray didn't want to teach me, and that was my father-in-law at the time. But his brother worked for Motor Cargo. So he, would, he, he taught me how to drive. And I learned in a 1978 cab over Freightliner with a 10-speed. And uh, he would crawl in the back. He'd be hung over. And uh, he, he, you know, every time I'd miss a gear or do something stupid, I'd get, you know, slapped to the back of the head. And, you know, this is how you do it. So then and, and then from there, it just uh, it was uh, it was kind of one thing after another. Um, I got my CDL, um, went down, took the test, took the, you know, use their equipment and stuff. And and. Uh, I wanted more. I wanted, you know, I, I was only, like I said, I was, I was making $8.72 an hour back then, which back then, not bad money. But 
we want the wife and I wanted a family and there was no way to do that on just 872 working the dock. So I needed to be a driver. So I got, got my CDL and uh, there was an opening at a company called Nations Way Trucking. They're no longer in business. Um, and they were Teamsters. Motor Cargo was a team, but they were under what they call a uh, sweetheart contract. So you got part of, you, you, you only got like 85% of what the National Master Freight Agreement was at the time. No retirement. Um, and the benefits were okay. But Nation's Way, they were full-blown National Master Freight. So you actually, you, you, got, you got paid big money. Well, I went over, applied to, to be a casual at the time. And it was just, uh, you know, you come in, work the dock. You know, you work four hours. You're on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you refuse to come in, that was your last day. You never got, they, they would never call you again. And back then, you had to fight for, you know, you, you had to show up. You had to be there. You had to, you know, and you had to perform and perform well. Well, it started slowing down in the freight and they, they wanted me to run line. Well, I, I've never driven over the mountain before. And it was, you know, coming from Reno, going over Donner Pass. Well, you know, they threw me the keys, handed me a trip pack and said, you need to go to Hayward. Well, trucks didn't have jig brakes. I had no clue what I was doing. So let's just say we smoked them all the way to Auburn. That's an old, that's an old, I mean, and then, you know, from then on, from basically from 1992, I drove line up until the point where I called in one day and said, Hey, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I was on a call block. So you had to, you had to call in at midnight and between midnight and two, that was your call, but you had a two hour call block. So I called in to, to see, you know, what, you know, what the you know, it was two, you know, I was waiting for the call, waiting for the call, waiting for the call. Nothing came in. So about two at two a.m., I called him up. I said, "Hey," I said, uh, "You know, I'd like to, uh, you know, what's what's going on? You, you, no runs for me." And they're like, "Oh, we can't use you anymore." And I went, "What? What are you guys talking about?" Well, back then in the contract, and this is all Teamster stuff. If you worked a certain amount of trips. Once you got to that, that, that 31st trip of, you know, consecutive trips, you were forced hired. So they would have to put you on the seniority roster, put you on the board, pay you the benefits and all of that stuff. Whereas casual, all you had, you had to, you had to work like 80 hours a month or something like that. And then you would get like partial benefits from them. So if they didn't have to put me on, you know, because it, once the, I went on the board, I would get all those benefits. So they just, I called them up the next day. I was like, Hey, you know, what's going on? They're like, yeah, yeah. You're going to have to go find something else. So <laughs> I went to Willig Freight Lines. Willig is no longer in business either. So there, there's a run here. Motor cargo is not in business. Nation's way not in business. Willick Freight Lines is no longer in business. And these are all Teamster companies. And they're all Teamster companies. Yeah, this is how it gets. This is how it gets dropped because this is kind of what happened to my family's company. Lombard was, you know, it was purchased in '84. You know, the company sold by North Penn Transfer, which is out of Lansdale, Pennsylvania. I also have a hat of theirs. We were talking, 
yesterday. I have a consolidated a CF hat as well. And uh, North Penn Transfer, they uh, they were they ended up folding in '92 due to union contract negotiations. Yep. And I'm assuming a lot of these companies were faced to the same thing. They could like that's the thing yep. that company probably would have hired you and like you could have joined the union, but they just couldn't afford it. Oh, right. uh, yeah. Well, the thing was is I I had already went down and requested to join the union and they waived my initiation which i thought was you know that was great but i'm still paying dues so you know it, and, and you know i went to the shop steward shop steward's like well sorry there's nothing we can do for you and i'm like well okay move on to the next one so i went to willig um went in talked with the guy i mean that the next day i mean when i went talked to that t- terminal manager at nation's way my next trip was over to willig talked with that terminal manager he asked me he goes you got gloves in your truck and i said well yeah i do and he goes well get your gloves he goes they're going to give you a delivery route and you're hired what no drug test no physical just <laughs> you're hired you know it put me on and i started with him it was a fantastic company fantastic company i loved it I, if they were still in business i'd probably still be there this is LTL, LTL freight, right? LTL, LTL, and and their their claim to fame, they well they have the bright yellow and blue with the big yellow smiley face on the back of their trucks. That was Willick's Willick's thing, and their claim to fame was next day before noon. Was their was their you know their LTL stuff? Oh, that's, so, so they were like the prime, the Amazon Prime of the of their day. Exactly, and trust me. None of their trucks were governed. Everything hauled the mail. And uh, I, I scared myself a few times because I'm still a fresh, you know, young driver. You know, I had no clue. I had no clue what a freaking 18 speed was at that time. But I had to learn it. You know, and uh, driving an old cab over uh, Peterbilt at that time. You know, hauling, hauling line. But yeah, I mean, we get into convoys of, you know, 30, 40 trucks, everybody talking on the radio. That doesn't happen today. Somebody up front had a bird dog and, you know, would just holler out, hey, contact. And, you know, everybody slow down because we're going through California. And of course, you know, the People's Republic, you have to do 55, got to stay alive. So um, we had a meeting. Um, the CEO and the CFO showed up. Um, the guy's name was John Fredonia, and he fit the freaking bill of a Fredonia. He came in, basically told us, you either effing vote for this, this pay reduction or we'll close the goddamn doors. And everybody at that meeting basically told him, we'll call your bluff. Do it. Three weeks later, Willick Freight Lines went out, went out of business. Damn. Yeah. So I went and applied over at Roadway. And uh, and and consolidated freightways. Um, ABF was like a two man terminal at that time here in Reno. Um, and then you know, I, I went and talked with them, too. But they were like, no, we're not hiring. You know, they were working out of the old Reno freight yard, which was just I mean, it was basically a homeless encampment at the time. Um, so I went to Roadway, went to CF. CF called me two hours before um, Roadway did. So, so I went to CF, um, started working there as a casual. And at that time, they had what they called a, a mixed board. 
um, there was, I think there was 199 guys on the board at the time. And I was basically, you know, did, you know, you had to start from scratch. So you were a four hour casual, you worked the dock, you had to prove your worth. And then they would, you know, if they wanted to hire somebody, you basically had to outshine everybody to do it. So I went on the board. I was, I was number 198. And um, when they went out of business, I was number nine on the board. Holy shit. There was a lot of old guys there. There was a lot of old guys there. And uh, but their whole careers, it, they probably have pensions, I, I imagine. They had pensions. They had, yeah, they had their entire careers there, you know, and that was my plan. You know, I, you know, we, we started a family when that, when I was there at CF and um, had our first kid there. Um, Teamsters, I mean, the benefits were just fabulous, just fabulous, you know. Um, September, well, Labor Day 2002, um, the wife and I and uh, my two kids at that time, and we had a new home, um, had bought, you know, like two years before. And uh, we had went on vacation for Labor Day weekend, you know, went camping, went out in the woods and, you know, just had a blast. Came home and this is back before voicemail had an answering machine. Oh, oh yeah. Old tape. Yep. So I'm unloading everything. She's got the kids in the house and, and she sees that the machine's flashing. Well, it's a it's a recorded message from Consolidated Freightways telling me to call an 800 number. So she says, hey, there's a message on there from CF, you know, calling this to call this 800 number. I was like, well, just call it, you know, see what it is. She comes back out in tears. There was 15,500 of us lost our jobs that day. Um, and then, you know, mad scramble, you know, now you're, you're, you know, what do you want to do? And, you know, now, I'm, you know, I'm, I've got so many years invested in it, in it that it's kind of pissed me off. You know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't want to keep doing this, this, you know, this, this, this bullshit is, is kind of what I was thinking, you know? Um, but that's what I was good at. And that's what I knew. So I went to work for, um, I went to work for multiple, I mean, I was working for Jippo places, you know, um, there, there was a, a company, well, they helped me out and ITS, logistics they're small little 3pl here um i was their first driver you know and basically mm -hmm. i would just outlaw shit i you know they they'd say hey we need you in vegas you know and you know pick pick this this crate up from this convention center and get it back here as fast as you can so i'd go down and turn vegas you know and from reno you know that's a thousand freaking miles round trip damn it that's I, a haul that's a haul you know and just you know keep my foot on the floor and go you know, and go do it and make some money and stuff like that. But I went to work for, I started casualing for um, um, ABF at the time. And they were, you know, the whole market was, was absolutely horrible at that time. So they weren't looking to put anybody on. And I had applied at Yellow. I had applied at Roadway. Nobody had called. I mean, my phone was freaking silent. And I, you know, here, here I am. You know, I, I can do local p and I, I can do line haul, you know, doesn't matter. I, I can do it. No phone calls. And I was like, oh, shit, you know. So Conway, 
let's talk about Conway. I thought to myself, well, I, I got to find a freaking a deal. Well, Conway back, back in the day when they opened Conway, that was, uh, that was kind of a, a slap into the face of consolidated freightways because CF owned them. That was their non-union carrier. And we lost quite a bit of stuff to them. We lost contracts to them. And so they're like, oh, they're not competing with us. Well, they're the same thing. They're both LTL carriers. They're the same damn thing. Well, we started continually losing freight, you know, and back then, you know, CF, CF just did a lot of dumb freaking things. You know, I don't know if you remember Emory Air Freight. They started their own, like, trying to compete with FedEx and UPS. They bought airplanes. LTL companies shouldn't be buying freaking airplanes, but they did. And they lost their ass on it. So, yeah, they, they just did a lot of stuff. But I ended up working for, for Conway for about six months until there was an opening at, at Yellow. Went over to Yellow. Uh, Conway was a terrible job. That was just a, that was one of the most awful freaking LTL jobs I've ever had. Basically, you start seven o'clock at night, you load your own freight, hook your set, drive to Sacramento, put your set to the dock, unload your freight, go find your freight out of everybody else's shit, reload your freaking trailers, hook your set, take it back over the hill, break your set up, put it to the dock, unload your freight. And they wanted that done in 12 hours. Good guy. And it was for not a lot of money. And they would just work it freaking death. So, and I, I think, well, Conway is now XPO. Really? Yep. And I think that's the same model that they're, that they're, that they're running under. Um, yeah. Those guys, they get worked to death. They just yeah, have those, some of those jobs and they're very predatory in their recruiting because that's how the beverage places are like Coke and Pepsi. They're the same way. Like, Oh, you know, your shifts are only this long home every night, blah, blah, blah. But everything you're, you know, you're doing all the loading and unloading and you're, you're for what right. the work is you're putting in is fucking trash. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so by the time I got the call from, from yellow um, to come to work, because I, I know I'm trying to get on with Broadway too. Um, you know, it, everybody that was, you know, basically below me on the board when I was at Consolidated Freightways was now had more seniority than me. So, but, you know, being, it is what it is. You know, you just got to keep plugging away and keep plugging away. Because at that time, I'm the only income in my house. My wife's a stay-at-home mom raising our kids. You know, I got a mortgage and, you know, there's, <laughs> there, there's, there's no, there's no quit. You know, you just, you got to do it. And, and I would also, you know, you know, on the weekends, I'd run for ITS, you know, or if, you know, they had, you know, extra, you know, if they had extra like line hall stuff at yellow or, or whatever, I, you know, I'm on it. Let's do it. You know, I don't care if it's seven days a week. I didn't have, you know, at the end of the day, it was paper logs back in those days. You know, you turn your paper logs in and tear the rest up. And if it wasn't a good day, you know, man, there's always a new page. So, you know, I, I learned a lot of that. And then, um, Oh nine, um, they did the final roadway yellow merger into that YRC, what it is now. I was going to say, they're all kind of together now, like roadway, yellow, red away. Yeah. USF freightways. Yeah. Um, they're, they're all one. And when they did the merger and they closed the one terminal, we all moved over to the other terminal. 
you know, it was all supposed to be happy and go lucky. And I worked two weeks and got laid off again. And at that time I had 17 years going in this and I was done, done, done with LTL. I was, I was, oh, I was, oh, I mean, I was an, ang- I was unhappy. I was an angry freaking guy because, you know, I, I called, you know, at that time, you know, hell with CXCF, I was a shop steward and, you know, and I would try, you know, I'd go in and negotiate guys that came in drunk to freaking work and save their damn job. But the first time I went to the freaking union, the only time I went to the union, Hey, what can you do for me? Not a thing. There was you nothing cut, they could do. So, you, you, you know, cut out, it's you, like, okay, cool. You had to cut out on so me real, you had cut out on me real quick. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Are we back? Yeah, no, you're good. So, yeah, you're back. You blacked out for a little bit. I'll edit this little blip out. So, last thing you said. Hold just, on just one second. I want to do, I want to do something. Okay. Are we still there? Yeah. Okay. I just put it on do not disturb. So, no more phone calls. Hopefully. All right. Sweet. Yeah, let her, so you went to the, yeah, last thing you said, oh, flip, flip the screen again. There we go. Technology. So you, yeah, just be like, the last thing you said, because I'll cut it there, is I went to the union, and they could do, you know, they could do nothing for me. Yeah, they, 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 they couldn't do, the, the union couldn't do anything for me. And so I was just frustrated, trying to find something. I had mortgage payment coming up, you know, I had car payment, stuff like that. And I went on to Craigslist and there was an advertisement for, hey, we're going to guarantee you a thousand dollars a week, you know, to run, you know, um, ammunition and explosives. I'm like, well, shit, that sounds like a good deal. You know, let's, I gave them a call. They, you know, said, hey, you know, we'll fly in to, you know, to Phoenix, we'll do our orientation. We'll get your background check and all this other stuff. And that's where I met. Yep, that's, this where, guy. that's where he met me. And, and same story. I found the same job on Craigslist. You know, that that kind of funny era there, the Internet, where Craigslist was really the happening place. Like Craigslist was probably the monster indeed of the time, you know, that that time. Like, you know, just text up on there. And I, I, I think I even found Autumn through Craigslist where I'm at currently. So, yeah, Craigslist was, it was a big thing. You know, a lot of jobs were posted there. There was big recruiting in Craigslist at that time. And this is 2009? 2009, yeah. Similar, you know, how I got there. Like, uh, trucking market in 2009, we were coming through the Great Recession. There were so many closures and, you know, changes uh, slowed down. I was at FedEx Custom Critical, and, you know, the freight had went from, being really good to being just setting slow all the time and wasn't doing a whole lot. So I had, had to change something up at that time. So yeah, hauling DOD freight. Um, that's a, that's a different type of, you, you definitely need to be married to somebody to do that. Yeah. You know, it's uh they put me with uh, some dude that lived out of Dayton. Um, his name was uh, Carl. And uh, Carl was not the cleanest guy in the world and yeah. uh, wasn't the greatest driver either. Um, you know, he, he'd like to practice things. And I would just do stop freaking doing that and just let's go, you know, 
I don't, you don't need to practice back in hand. You know, you, you got your freaking CDL. Let's, let's go do it. If you need help, I'll get out and, you know, we'll, we'll go do it. Yeah. The, the, that little love affair with Carl didn't work out all that well. So, um, one of the guys I had worked with at, um, at yellow, um, I call him a, a brother from another mother. Um, I called him up. I said, Hey, you know, and he's like, yeah, he goes, I'm laid off. And, you know, I said, uh, you, you want to go team with me? So we did. And we worked the, basically the next six months, uh, running DOD stuff. Um, sometimes some weeks were, were really good. Um, we made some money and other weeks, you know, you'd sit for a week and a half at a freaking truck stop waiting on, you know, the government to like, Oh, you know, cause their, their, their whole idea was position the truck, put the truck into position that, that way, when the, when the call's there, we can just snatch it up and go get it. Well, I love the guy to death, but I didn't want to freaking live with him for a week in a freaking truck stop, dude. you know, and we're living in a white Volvo, you know, it was like, God, yeah, no. So, um, the, the straw that broke the camel's back on that one, um, we had done a bunch of uh, um, hazardous waste loads in, uh, in California. And um, we get our settlement and we both got $45 settlements. And we were like, dude, what the hell? So we called them up and they're like, well, you guys weren't available on this day and you weren't available on this day. And we're like, um, we, we've been running this whole freaking time. We, you know, you can go back and look at our freaking logs. You know, we've made all the deliveries and all the pickups. Well, we're not going to argue with you and that's your settlement. And I was like, well, fine, come get your goddamn truck. And that was the end of them. Um, I dropped their truck. I, I, I emptied everything I could out of it, put it at the, uh, at the, at the Alamo truck stop, dropped the keys in a trip pack and said, kiss my ass. Good luck. So, oh, man. Same thing, like I think we lasted even less than you, like yeah. uh, three months. We were there three months, and that's that's what drove me into buying my own truck and trying to go back to FedEx. And uh, yeah, that was a horrible company. They're, they they got bought out. They got sold several times. I think I think Tri-State Tri owns them now. Them. You know, kind of the consolidation of ammo haulers there that occurred during the last decade, so they got bought out. Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, I'm wondering how much Justin from Freight Waves might know about this. We'll have to uh, hopefully get with him offline because he, oh, he yeah, did that for yeah, a little I'm while. Sure, yeah, he he know a little bit about SLT. This is back when SLT would have been in their like I said white trucks, international Volvos, red lettering. You know, this is before they come out with the silver trucks with purple lettering, and they they went through several changes. I think probably ownership changed several times. You know, between groups and stuff like that, but uh. Yeah, that's how we met, and yeah, we've been we've been uh, connected at the hip ever since. Yeah, so that's so, so this is where the storylines cross. Two thousand nine, yeah. you guys meet, and then so, but then eventually you you separate again. So what ha what happens from there? Well, um, my my brother Cal um, had a buddy that was working for um, uh, Sherwin Williams Paint, and. He called him up, you know, we were just, you know, we were, we were desperate and he called, I said, dude, I said, he goes, what do you think? And I'm like, call him up. So he called him up and they were looking for a team. And so we went up, we interviewed, we got the job and uh, we started teaming for um, basically it's uh, CTS national is what it is. Um, 
or not national CTS, CTS Sherman Williams. So they have, they have a company side and then they have an owner operator side. And that's later in the story. Um, but we started teaming and, uh, man, what a difference. I mean, that they're an actual damn good company to work for. They really are. Um, they really do treat their drivers pretty damn well. Um, the, the hard part of that whole deal is, is store deliveries because you're actually delivering paint to the stores, you know, pallet jack, pallet jack to the back of the trailer store comes out with a forklift, but it's getting into a strip mall, you know, with the 48 footer and a, you know, great big Cascadia, you know? So that, that's yeah. the only part I, I didn't really care for, you know, of that whole deal. But, you know, I'm kind of going back to that, but I'm going to Walmart. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's a, that's going to be easy compared to what, you know, what, what I was dealing with there at, at Sherwin. But no, we ran team for a while. Um, he got his wife involved um, and they became a team. So I became just a, I, I just went to single man and, you know, working for, you know, CF and yellow and all that stuff. I had a bunch of double and triple experience. Well, they would run basically what they call a trains um, out of Reno here to like Salt Lake city, or we'd run Rocky mountain doubles into Wyoming and Montana and Idaho. And uh, that's a 48 with a 28 hook behind it and go deliver paint that way. And if I went to Salt Lake or, or down to Vegas, I would pull um, two 45s and uh, you know, did, you know, 129 feet long and uh, you know, 130,000 pounds of paint. So, you know, it just, you know, I had a bunch of long combination experience. So they wanted me to do that. Um, they said, I had a, just a bitching run, man, just a bitching run. I would run a set. Um, I'd leave Sunday, um, go deliver Monday with the set in, in Salt Lake city. I'd have 14, 15 store deliveries, go make deliveries. Um, if they had like a pallet trailer or they needed me to go pick up salt or whatever as a backhaul, I'd go do that, hook my set, be back. And then my next load was a, a set of doubles down to, to, to Vegas and just, you know, just back and forth. I was a hundred and, you know, I made like a hundred and two, hundred and three thousand bucks, you know, every year doing that. And it was fantastic. And then all of a sudden management just changed things. And they started a, a real big mass hiring there. Well, then it got to the point where they would split my load up. Well, when I was pulling doubles, I made more money. Bill, I'm doing twice the work. That just makes sense. But if I'm hauling a single trailer, then I'm back at single man rate. So, and it was still, you know, oh, we're just going to have you do the Salt Lake stores, you know, and I'd go do, go do two, three deliveries, make, you know, and come back. Well, now my mileage is, is way down. You know, it's, you know, I'm not making the same per mile, but you know, it's the same mileage, but you know, now it's way down. And then, you know, oh, you know, to supplement it, they're like, oh, we need you to go over to the Bay area and deliver stores. Ah, man, that's, that's like a sharp start, sharp stick in the eye. It just, it, it was like, are you kidding me? And then it just kept getting progressively worse and worse and worse. And then they were like, oh, do you want to run Alberta for us? Absolutely. I'll go run Alberta. That lasted two weeks, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, then they were like, no, nope, we're going to put somebody else on it. And it was like, they, they kept, it kept building up to the point. And I, I called him up. I said, Hey, yeah, yeah here's what I'm thinking about doing. 
Yeah. And uh, he's like, Dave, you know, you, you got a pretty good gig there. Don't do it. And I just did not listen. And so I, I bought a truck and I actually went to work for Sherman Williams as an owner operator. Hmm. Um, back then, I think it was a dollar 17 a mile and uh, plus fuel surcharge. And they would just, you know, they would basically, you would run three, three to 4,000 miles a week. You know, you're just, you're not, you're basically swinging doors, you're bumping docks, you're not delivering anything. You know, it, it, it was pretty good, but there was always that, you know, now I've got a truck payment, I got fuel, I've got, you know, I had to, you know, thank God my wife was, you know, she finally got a job, but she was working for the school district at the time. So I had insurance covered, you know, because that was a big deal. You know, what am I going to do if, you know, kids get sick or whatever? Well, you know, I, I would talk to him. And I talked to other buddies that I had met over over the years and they're like, well, you know, we're making this and we're making that and we're making this. And the grass was always greener. And uh, oh, oh, yeah. Somebody's always dude, making more. Somebody's always making more. And there's always run, running more miles. There's always the one more guys. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and I, I was I was hungry for that. So I, I left I left Sherman Williams as an owner op and I hired on at Autumn. The main problem with Autumn was they couldn't get me home. Yeah. I live in like the dead zone. It ends up being a recurring theme with every carrier you've leased on with. It's, it's the West Coast. Yes. It's the West Coast plague. I mean, it's the West Coast. If you plague. live out yeah. here, there's just, yeah, there's just, you know, everything's locked up out here. You know, and and I worked for Autumn, um, pulled pneumatic, um, did pretty well. Um, did phenomenal. You know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I reconnected with uh, some family members back in Virginia and I was able to park on their land. And then I would drive, you know, um, from Galax, Virginia, I, I basically would rent a car, drive to the airport there in Charlotte, get on a plane and fly home. And that was my home time. Yeah. Cause there was, there was no getting me, no getting me to the West coast. There just, it just didn't happen. Yeah. West well, then 35 they, is, is kind of a graveyard. It, it really is. It really is. And then they have a liquid division and they said, oh, yeah, we can get you home. No problem. Okay, we'll, we'll, you know, bam, bam, you know, thank you, man. We'll, you know, we'll get you, we'll get you going. Well, the, the, the money wasn't the same as pneumatics, not even close. Um, but they did get me home, you know, which was, you know, but it, it wasn't on a regular basis. You know, you, I'd go out and I'd work two, three months and then come home for a week and then go out and work two, three months. Well, being away from your your you know your family for that long dude, sucks. It just sucks. And I'm a family guy. I'm well, I'm tight with my kids. I'm tight with my wife. You know, we've been we've been married now. You know, we're going on 31 years this year. So it's a uh, that wasn't. I was like, no, nope, this is just not working. I'm not making enough money. And then I heard the 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 chiming bell or the sound of an oil rig, and I thought, man. I'm going to go make a fortune in the oil field. Well, I bought a blower for the truck, went out there, and I did pretty good for about three to four months. And then all of a sudden, ghost town, yeah. just a ghost town. It was booming and then ghost town. And I'm like, um, shit. 
I'm pretty sure that carrier is completely defunct and gone now. I think so. Oh, a lot of they, they're like yeah. si- some of that oil field stuff are they're like the sirens of the sea. They they've called a lot of people in because I there's people on Facebook a lot, especially in some of these Texas trucking groups. They all want to lure you in. They're like they tell you about the money, they show you what they're making, but the thing is, it's very hot and cold. This happened up in North Dakota, you know, a few years yeah. ago. People were lured in. They built whole towns in North Dakota that are now. Ghost towns. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. everybody like comes and goes. It, it's a real thing. It's like, and they lure you in, and they build all these apartments. Then all of a sudden, oh yeah. And I, you know, for like I said, there there was there was about three months there. My average to the truck was a, a little over eleven thousand dollars a week. That's damn yeah. good money. You know, and I, I wasn't they wasn't putting any miles on the truck, and I wasn't putting any miles. But yeah. it was the, but the miles I did put on it were hard, hard miles, man. Yeah, and heavy. Yeah. Ooh, those lease roads, though, and in rock, Texas yeah. and Mexico. Oh, yeah. You know, and especially if it rained. Oh, yeah. I've been pulled out by a bunch of freaking bulldozers, you know. Um, but then uh, December of that year, um, my dad called me up, lost my mom. Um, and it was it was just, uh, you know, it was it, it was slow. I wasn't working all that much. I was, you know, and, and I was gone for, you know, three, four three, four months at a time from the house. So it was even worse. But, it, you know, if you're making money, you can justify that to yourself that it's, you know, hey, this is for the future and blah, blah, blah. You know, I can take a month off and do this. Well, it never works out that way. And then, you know, you're just beating the snot out of your freaking equipment. So now I got a bunch of, you know, a bunch of maintenance issues to, you know, to, to take care of. Um, lost my mom that December. And uh, that was 18 and uh, um, went to work for um, uh, long haul trucking. Um, good organization, damn good organization. Um, the only problem with long haul, there's a lot of overhead. You have a lot of overhead. You can make great money if you live in Tennessee and Kentucky and Ohio. I live in freaking Reno, Nevada. You know, so I started looking for property in Tennessee. You know, hey, we're just going to pick up. We're going to move. And, you know, we've it's my wife's been here her whole life. And, you know, I moved from Tucson up to here. And, um, you know, and uh, I was like, no, nah, we're just, you know, we're going to we're going to do something different. Uh, COVID hit. Um, that was just a, 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 a really weird time. And uh, now my, both my kids had moved out of the house by that time. And uh, my wife's by herself, you know, I'm out, you know, super trucker Dave, you know, not, you know, and not home. And we, you know, like I said, we've been together 30 years. So there's a, there's a lot of things that I've had to just like, nope, I, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm going to reel that in and i'm going to change things so I, I went from long haul i went back to cts national because they have a plant here they, they had uh, um, a plant plant here in, in uh in reno well then we got a, a wild hair in uh 2020 because i looked at zillow and saw what my house was worth and i went holy shit! i can get that much oh yeah so we we made this plan. Um, I bought forty acres in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. Nice and love it, love it there. We Gorgeous were just down there. It is, it is, but not in July. 
I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> um, so we, we, we sold, we moved down there and it's the same old story, you know? Um, but at that time, CTS didn't have a lane down there. There was no lane for me to run at all. And there was no way I was getting a deadhead back, you know, back and forth up to Reno for, I think at that time they were a dollar 35 a mile plus fuel charge, which is, you know, people just go, Oh Jesus, I can't freaking move my truck for that. You know, and you used to hear that all the time in truck stops, you know, I move my truck for four less than $4 a mile. Then you don't move all that much. Um, you know, and so I went to Mercer. Um, Fab, fabulous company. Just an absolute, I have nothing bad to say about Mercer. Mercer's a damn good company. Um, so, it, you know, it, I would start, I started flatbedding again. I, you know, I enjoy that. I enjoy the physicality of, of the job. Um, that's the only thing with like, like, you know, with, with what I'm going to be doing, I have to, I, I have to stay mindful of my physical, of, of my physical self. You know, mentally, I, I'm, I'm pretty good, but Dude, I don't want to be that freaking that that guy with freaking cankles. I'm I'm just not going to be that guy. So you know, um, Mercer was good. Um, then freight really started falling off this this last year. I mean, just really started falling off. And then you know, it, it, at the time, um, you know, man, I I was I was making banging money with Mercer. Um, I was gone a lot still, um, and that's a recurring thing. My wife comes up in June of last year and, and uh, uh, she calls me up and I said, Hey, I said, Hey, what's going on? You know, how's the grand, we just had a grandbaby too. And uh, I said, how's the grandson and all that. And she goes, Oh, they're great. She goes, I got some news for you. And I said, what? She goes, I'm not going back to Arizona. And I went, what, 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 what do you mean? I'm not going back to Arizona. She goes, I'm not going back there. She goes, I'm down there by myself. She goes, it's hot as balls. And uh, she goes, no, I'm just not going back. She goes, we're moving back to Reno. I said, well, <laughs> okay. So I put the property up for sale. It sold. Um, moved back up here. I bought 10 acres out in a little town called Silver Springs, Nevada. Um, and uh, we're going to build the, the home where I die at. So um, Mercer wasn't really working out. I'm trying to find something where I can keep my truck, get back into the house, make at least, you know, I'm trying to figure out revenue numbers and stuff like that. Um, and while I was at Mercer, you know, I lost the motor in my truck, had to have an in-frame. Uh, in the week before that, lost the turbo and the actuator. Um, so, you know, I'm, we're talking 600,000 miles on a truck that he bought brand new. I mean, shouldn't have been, you know, this is the problem with the quality of equipment these days. These new trucks, they just don't yeah. last like the old ones do. You know, had had a sizable chunk of change, in, you know, because, you know, my motto was the truck always ate first. Truck always eats first. It's, yeah, you it's know. the only way to win as an owner-operator. Exactly. Yeah. Truck's got to, you know, the truck's got, you know, truck eats first, then you, you know. And, I, you know, sizable maintenance fund, you know, it, it hit it pretty freaking hard, you know. I mean, I was $42,000 in two weeks. You know, and it was like, oh, dude, you know, that's 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 a chunk of coin, you know, plus, you know, hotel <laughs> hotel for three weeks while it's getting built, you know, um, and then found another company, um, Holland Log, Holland, 
utility poles. And uh, they were, uh, when, you, when you hauled the, the utility poles, you made decent money. But you were smoking heavy every single, you were 80K every single freaking trip. You know, and they're just, you know, they're, it's just garbage. And then, you know, the next thing you're picking up is, is a load of shingles out of, out of Shafter, California to get you back, you know, back over to pick up a load of freaking logs. And, uh, you know, now a load of shingles, 80K. But now you're only getting a buck 39 of mine to the truck. And it's like, holy crap, this is not working out. Nothing, nothing seems to be, you know, and, and I can't stop. You know, yeah, I found, you know, something that's going to get me back into Reno on a consistent freaking basis, but I'm not making any money. I'm losing money while I'm working here. And I'm like, I am over this. So um, I had a buddy that I had worked with at Sherwin. He went to Walmart. I gave him a ring and I said, hey, what does Walmart require? He goes, dude, he goes, you're good. He goes, you've been driving for freaking, freaking forever. And I used to run team with the guy. So he's like, no, he goes, you're a damn good driver. He goes, let's, he goes, you know, he goes, fill out an application. So the application wall at Walmart process is uh, pretty freaking extensive. So I, I've had some good background checks in my life, but their background check is no BS. And if they ask you a question, they expect an answer. And if you don't answer them, don't call back. So, you know, and, and just, you know, it, it, and they ask for stupid stuff, you know, but it's, I, it, to me, it's really super worth it. I think it's, you know, it, the, what they're going to do is that they're, they're already telling me what my schedule is going to be. I haven't even gone to orientation yet. And uh, the schedule is basically a five, what they call a five, two, five, three. Mm-hmm. So you work five, off two, work five, off three. But they want you back here on your two days off cool yes am i going over donner pass every day yep how many times did you chain up that one season oh that was the the winter of 1995 so 94 94 into 95 um i threw iron 183 straight trips jeez yeah man holy shit i not me not me doing it yeah, that was that was well. That was back when you know you could. They would actually stop and convoy trucks yep. over the hill, and they just wouldn't shut it down and just say no, no, no trucks. Well, now you know with today's today's drivers, it's oh my God. I mean, they couldn't drive a peg in a bull's ass. Most of them. Well, there's, and there's kids on there now. There are 23 year old kids who've lived here for six kids. months and have been given a CDL, and they're going right over it. Yeah. Yeah, like it's nothing, you know. And, and like I said, you know, the, my first trip over the mountain, I didn't have a Jake break. I mean, CF didn't have freaking Jake breaks until, oh shit, ninety eight, ninety nine, somewhere in there when they had their big team operation, and they finally required it in the contract. Other than that, I mean, I had a speedometer, two red lights, and, and, and an air pressure gauge. There wasn't even a key in the truck. You flipped a switch, you hit an air starter. That's what fired the truck up. And then you had a, you know, you had a little air button to, to, to kill the motor. That was it. Um, unsynchronized seven speed. You know, that's, 
that's that's what I cut my teeth on. You know, oh, that's old, awesome. Old I want to touch. I, I, I definitely want to get into Walmart real quick, but I, I definitely want to take sure. this time to kind of recap because, man, what what a phenomenal story. And if I could just say if this was me, man, because here's the thing. So I sometimes find myself I, I conf, I'm confronted with this dilemma of did I make the right decision getting into trucking and stuff? Because with me, I come from, you know, I have a legacy in it with my grandfather and a historic company. And in a sense, what I'm trying to do is restore a brand because my family's company was once the identity of an entire city. Uh, when you think about it, you know, it, it was it was a place where people spent their careers and had pensions and people in the city of Waterbury and in the region respected companies like Lombard. And, and like so that's part of my mission, what I'm trying to really bring back. But with how, you know, I'm faced with this dilemma of and I asked myself this question and this is from The Sopranos. You know, you know, it's you know, he says it like right in the first episode, you know, it's good to get into something at the ground floor. You know, I, I know that. But, you know, I feel as though I came in at the end. And sometimes I'm faced with this dilemma, like, did I come in right at the end of trucking? And it, and it's and who knows that that's up for debate. And I, I'll, you know, I'll talk on that more. But like with you, if I had to go through what you went through, that would have that like because you rolled with everything you put so much into this industry. Because, number one, you got to see it from the end of you. You grew up and were raised by guys who did grow up in the Lombard era of good trucking jobs like these guys had good jobs it was respected so that's what you got to see and then when you got into it you came in when these when the teamsters were fucking limping after deregulation because that's what they were doing is like each of these companies that was closing was consolidating they couldn't negotiate because they could not physically compete with all these major retailer companies un undercutting them so they had to cut pay they couldn't give you jobs and you were doing backbreaking labor and you couldn't do this so if that was me i would have been like holy shit that you know they're really butchering in this industry i would have fucking quit quit all out there together but you kept rolling with it kept you know kept putting into it and then it seemed as though and then it, it seems as though once you came risen to the top something i could tell you because that story of you telling that in 2002 that you to hear that that gutted me and i think people especially for my friends who are non-drivers who listen to this need to really truly see that hey this is because the night i grew up in the 90s and i remember growing up very much well you, you know i remember growing up well and seeing these trucks and like to see that the industry the industry in the 90s was was reeling back from deregulation but it was still the technology and everything was still set in the 60s and 70s but it was trying to progress past the the 1980 deregulation so it was it was this the collage of who the people were was at such a clash that it was such a tough industry to, to really make it in because the as the unions were dying you had so much going on and for all this happened i mean to get laid off in 2002 like you did like that like people you know it, it's crazy now you have google employees who are going into work and you know their key cards aren't working but to get home from vacation and to have a recording on your voicemail box on your recording machine that says to call an 800 number to hear that you got fired is like probably the most gut-wrenching thing i can ever i can ever hear of. that would have freaking ripped me apart and then even for i i love that you really got into the nuts and bolts of your of your owner operator experience because like me i get paid a percentage of loads but you did a per mile thing and it's like to show you know guys out there like this is what a lot of people were doing throughout the mid 2000s uh up at you know up until up until basically i'd say within the last three or four years like this is how a lot of the industry ran and here here you are to come on like people need to realize like this is what you started in this industry 
as these unions were starting to deteriorate. And it's like, this is what we're witnessing, how the industry did start to deteriorate to have guys out here like you, seasoned veterans, driving trucks and essentially making no money during some of these times. And it's a wild concept to think of. And I just, I got to fucking tip my cap to this because like, I don't know if I would have, you know, my wife, I think would have talked some sense into me and she would have said, Hey, we need to, let's make a game plan here or something. So I got to, I got to give it to you because that's a lot of gumption you have. You're very fortunate for the situation you're in. Cause so, I mean, you weren't, you didn't just fly by night. This, you have a good family. I mean, that's the thing you, you set yourself up with a good foundation of having a good, strong family. And that helps. And Hey, in the long run, it's paying off because Walmart and for as much bad uh, as mu- for as much hate my show gives to mega carriers, I don't consider Walmart a mega carrier. They're a large retail company, but by any stretch of the means, what Walmart has going on right now as a job for drivers is exactly how the industry should have evolved post nineteen eighty. Because what yeah. they how they treat their drivers, the schedule that they're on, it's a regional type gig. So you still got a little bit of that travel over because I pulled for Walmart trailers when I drove with Pam. That regional gig was a lot of fun. Different schedule. You didn't get the benefits. I was still a Pam employee, so it kind of sucked. But overall, like, yeah, that five on two off. So you have you'll get a, you'll get weekends off. You'll get your time back at home. You get to slide through the house. You still get to go out and, and do it. And then you're also in good equipment and the you always have access to parking. Like the system is set up for drivers to want to spend careers there. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and that's what it, I was weighing my options between going to UPS and working in the hub and throwing boxes for probably a year, maybe 18 months. I'm 53. I'm kind of worn out. Um, and, but that was, you know, and, and then building up seniority that I could get into the feeder position because, you know, UPS, there's another company that, you know, yeah, it's a teamster company, company, but they really pay their drivers damn well. They pay them really well and their benefits are phenomenal. But I weighed, could I physically do that? I probably could. Um, but that, that one year to, to 18 months of whatever it would be. That's only, it's like $16 and 50 cents an hour. Yeah. Uh, well, now I got to find a freaking, you know, I'm, I'm going to be working two, maybe three jobs. I can go to Walmart and they're basically saying, you know, you can make up to 110 your first year. Dude, that's sold. Sign me up. It's Let's it's, do it. And it's dropping hook. That's the thing with Walmart is Walmart <laughs> is primarily dropping hook. Uh, I know at least on the Pam side, like my general schedule, and I feel as though this is going to be the same is I would go, I would go to the DC. I would check in at 5 a.m. I would normally, and like, you could almost work whatever schedule you want. At least like when it came to me, it's like, I would go to the check-in at the DC in New Braunfels, Texas at 5 a.m. They'd get, they'd say, okay, hey, go out to section here, grab trailer one, two, three, four, five. That trailer is going to go to this store down here in Comfort, Texas. You're going to grab an empty. You're going to go down to Laredo. You're going to get a loaded or you're going to drop and hook in Laredo, grab this. And it's going to um, Opelousas, Louisiana to a distribution center there. Uh, I I don't know if I pronounced that name right, but it's going to go here. And then from there, you'll check in with that uh, distribution center and you'll get a new trip. Yeah. 
And it's just, and it, and it was like, and the thing is, is I can make the, I talked to so many drivers, uh, like one guy I was getting loaded in because some live, you'll do some live loads and unloads. One driver was telling me, cause I told him, I was like, yeah, I normally try to start rolling at 4am in case I got trucks. Cause they didn't let Pam drivers park at DCs, some of them. So I was like, yeah, I'd get started at 4am so I can park early and work out. And the guy's like, oh uh, no, not. he was edging retirement too. And he's like, oh no, he goes, I start at nine. I'll finish at, you know nine, 10 at night, you know, cause he'll stop it at DC. Like he makes his own hours essentially, you yeah. know, and it, and it's good. And some people think uh, I was, and I talked about this on the episode a couple episodes ago with Blythe about ego and trucking and the way, and with the way the models have gone is people in this industry believe that the only upward trajectory as a driver is to, is to either be an owner operator or own a fleet or what have you. But in reality, it's just, you know, it's not for everybody. Like even, you know, you described it really well about how being West of I-35 is very tough as, as an owner operator, especially if you want to have a family and it's like, Hey, you, as long as you are making money in this industry and it's staying safe and evolving and going wherever you're still winning. And it's like some people, the, the reason why more people haven't flocked to Walmart has been ego uh, in this in a sense. They're, they're obsessed with this passion of being their own boss, making their own calling their own shots. And Hey, I like that too. Um, but you know, when reality hits you, if you're not able to do it, it's, it's okay to, to go back and work for a fucking badass company. Cause the thing is, I mentioned these two terms, entrepreneur and intrapreneur. We need intrapreneurs go to a company or carrier, help them grow, you know, be a part of their victory too, because their victories are yours. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, it, and it's, you know, it, you know, spanning the career. I mean, you know, I've, I've driven, you know, every state in the union, every province of Canada. And it's, you know, now I'm, I'm going to be at a place where I can go, you know, go out, do my week, come back, spend it with the family, you know, and, and just, just go do it again. Just put my head down, do another 15 years, bulk my retirement up and, uh, and, and just, you know, wash my hands of the whole thing. You know, it's not that I'm not going to love, you know, trucking. I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. And it took me a long time to, after the, the LTL closure and, and and with CF and yellow and, and just, you know, kind of being crapped on. And, and that's, you know, that's how I felt about it. Um, I really hated, hated driving a truck. Um, absolutely despised it. And, but. I had to learn, you know, myself that if you hate it, you're just going to be miserable in everything that you do. So why don't you start loving it? And maybe you can love yourself a little bit and, and maybe turn things around. And, and when, I, when I did that, I mean, I really excelled, just absolutely excelled. And it was just a mental thing, just an yeah. absolute mental thing. You know, but playing those mental gym, gymnastics with yourself, you know, you, you can put yourself in a big rut, you know, because, you know, it, shit happens. And, you know, um, you can either dwell on it or move on and, um, you know, look at the big picture of, you know, your family, yourself, and and take that into account and just, just keep on rolling. Yeah. And take, yeah, taking that time, stepping back, taking accountability of the situation and then making a move and make it because like, it, like you said, yeah, at the time you hated it when the LTL stuff was closing, but when you take a step back and take the accountability of why you started in the first place of 
realizing your why, figure out now your how of how are you going to make this work as opposed to just because what are you going to, I mean, are you going to quit and go back to being a mechanic? How much has being a mechanic evolved since the last time you had done that? So, you, you know, I was, yeah, no, I wasn't a real good mechanic to begin with. So, you know, mm-hmm. no, that's, so, I'm good enough to put myself in the trouble. So, yeah, no, I love it, man. I, I commend your story. So Walmart's hiring process. I, I just, just in case anybody's out there looking for a job, I'm assuming what, are, what are their requirements and what does the, like, so say I, so say, I, you know, say, you know, preach it to me, say I sold my truck tomorrow. I want to work at Walmart. What, am, what is required of me? What do I need to do? And, and well, what are the basically, yeah, basically, um, a, a, a super clean driving record. Uh, the the least amount of CSA points, I mean, like zero, is is like a really really big contributor. Um, I believe they've lowered. I, I'm not sure how many years of experiences you need, but I believe it's 18 months. I believe it's a it's an 18 month thing. Um, you can also get your your license through Walmart too. So you could go to work for one of the stores or you could go to work for one of the DSCs or whatever and basically just tell them, hey, I want to be a driver. And they'll put you through freaking school. They'll pay for it to, to you know, and, and, you know, and you can make, you know, pretty damn good money doing it. Um, and they pay you to go to school. So that's that's another crazy thing. You know, they're, they're trying to encompass, you know, get everybody to do it. Um, but, yeah, just a, a, a super clean record, you know. Some, you know, I, I believe it's 18 months. I'm, don't try not to quote me on that. But um, and then, you know, no accidents, no felonies, no DUIs, no, you know, you know, you just, you know, they, they want. And like I said, their their background, the background that they do is I was gonna say, um, go, go into that. Yeah. What, what was yeah, that the like? background, background that they do is extensive. It is absolutely extensive. And they will send you a copy of it. But the first time that's ever happened to me. I've had backgrounds run, you know, I got secret clearance for Christ's sakes. Mm-hmm. I never got, you know, they, they never sent me a PDF and saying, hey, this is what it looked like, you know. Um, you know, you, you, you know they, they're going to pull your MVR, you know, for your history, for the entire history that you've been driving. They're going to pull the MVR. They want to see it. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, like I said, the background's extensive and you have to, if, if they ask you a question, respond. You, you need to give them the answer, even though it's it, it may be something completely stupid. You know, it, they want that response, because if you don't respond to them, you're not going to get another response. It's just like a, yeah, they, it's like a smell test. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, do they, I'm, I'm not do they, the, oh, sorry, sorry, go on. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, do they, uh, do they hair test? Um, I don't know if they do or not, but I know um, they're, they're going to, once I get to orientation in Red Bluff, um, they, they do a, a DOT uh, talk screen right there. Yeah, regular one. Yeah, because it, it, it's just something I find weird because at one point, major carriers were like lobbying, the mega carriers, probably not Walmart were lobbying to the FMCSA to like mandate um, hair tests, like be the standard 
for, for, for toxicology shit. And they were pushing for that. And I think the reason, and the thing is, is that fits into the, you know, the ATA's agenda of, of making trucking this meat grinder because hair, hair tests. Now you're testing, you're not testing for use, you're testing for lifestyle. And at that point you're just adding to the turnover because somebody could have, somebody with long hair could have smoked weed two years ago and it's still in their hair. And it's like, Oh, I, I live in Nevada and, and I, I smell skunk bud across the street from me all the time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I think it's just a regular old urinalysis, you know. Yeah. No, so, it's but, good. Yeah. If you're just not a shithead, Walmart, Walmart works. It, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. You know, and, you know, yeah, it, you know, I've, I've talked with my buddy that works there and he's, you know, he's like, listen, they, they do have cameras. He goes, but there's none facing you anymore. Um, yeah, it's it's it, dash cams. Yeah, it's a dash cam. You know, basically, you know, if, if, if there's a stop sign, dude, stop. You know, don't Hollywood it, you know. Um, it, it, you know, just keep your following distance. I mean, just that simple, you know, trucking one-on-one, man. You know, don't scratch it, bend it, or break it because it ain't yours. You know, that's just... Just don't do that. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty easy going. I, I'm. Yeah, the uh, the cameras they use them similar. They they have them over here at Warren. Essentially, yeah, don't don't ride up on anybody. Stop at the stop sign because yeah, if you do that, they'll they'll ding it to you. Yeah, don't speed. And it's like yeah, uh, yeah. And I I haven't gotten I've gotten two messages about speeding, but it's because yeah, you know, sometimes on these country roads and I'm and you're heavy and you're OD. Like, I don't like, I'm not, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to slay. Like when it goes from 65 to 40, I'm going to, I'm going to use the engine. I'm going to use the Jake, you know, I'm not, and it's, you know, sometimes I'll be 10 yeah. over by the time I get there. So. Yeah. It's going to take a while. It just is. Yeah. No, dude, this is awesome. I'm really happy that you're getting yourself to Walmart because you're now in the twilight of your career. This is when you should be enjoying it. This is when you need to be taking us taking a step back. Like you shouldn't be throwing packages at UPS. Although I know UPS is good. When I was working at a warehouse, I met a UPS driver. He dude, he drove and delivered on the last day he was at work. He talked about his retirement pension. He he was ecstatic. He loved his career. He's awesome. So UPS isn't bad. But yeah, man, at, at this point in time, like, dude. This, this is the, the job you want. What's crazy is I, I couldn't say it enough. Like everything that you saw from like what Walmart's doing is the 21st century, which should have happened post deregulation. Instead, it became this race to the bottom and became just this absolute, you know, meat grinder of a system that is just a churn and burn where to the to the point in which we even have major companies like Prime pitching to new drivers to become lease operators, like just this idea of lease purchase um, stuff at large companies where you're competing with company drivers for freight. Like, what are we doing? Like that's how low they're trying to drop wages. And it's like for you to see that, like for you to see the golden age and like in every experience and then to basically see the deepest of the valleys, you're you're coming out on top with Walmart. But I I know we're we're running a little bit on time, but you see you've been down Downer Pass with no chakes. You've been to every U.S. state. You've been to every Canadian province. What's some of the, you know, what's some of the craziest shit out there you, you've seen? Some wild stuff. You can leave the names out. Oh, dude. I mean, I, so Donner Pass. I, I mean, I, you know, just just horror stories. Uh, dropping off of there, off of uh, every hill there has a name. There's airport. There's um, Three Mile. I mean, you know, there there's the steps that you got to come off of. 
um, there's King Bale. Um, I think every single every single one of those, I've seen a truck on fire off the freaking side of the road, wadded up in the trees. Somebody freaking, you know, just passed on because, you know, they just didn't do it right. You know, and, that, and that's back in the older days. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, if there was a mountain pass around, I would always go to it. Like, you know, go over to Wolf Creek Pass, dude. You know, just just to enjoy the beauty of it. And that's the thing I love about the job is because that next turn in the road is could be the most spectacular thing you've seen in your entire life. You know, and, and that's what I've always just ah, I, I, I live for it. Oh, dude, Absolutely. It's, it's addicting. Yeah, I, that's why some people some people leave. And they have to come back, man. It's like there is some, you know, it's why it's why my dad rides motorcycles. It's why, you know, people do certain things they do. Like there's so many guys on YouTube who have channels and, you know, they'll leave. They'll be like, yeah, I'm quitting. I'm getting this. And then six months later, they, you know, they're dragged back in. Oh, they are. They absolutely are. But no, I mean, one of them, well, funny story. Um, I was working for, at the time, I had, um, I was in between, um, CF and yellow. And I had taken the job at Conway and I was up on the pass blizzard, just an absolute, you know, getting with it. And, uh, I, uh, I'm all chained up. Everything's, you know, and I'm dropping off the hill, basically zero visibility. I look down and my phone is ringing and I'm like, man, what the hell? Shoot. And um, it's my wife. And I'm like, man, what's, it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what is, holy shit, what's going on? So I answer the phone. And I'm like, hey, babe, I said, what's going on? She goes, there's a mouse. And I went, I just looked around. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? I'm in just horrible freaking conditions right now. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm fighting it because I can't see the road. I have no clue. They closed it right behind me. Just dumping and dumping and dumping. And what, there's a mouse? What the frick are you talking about? She's like, she goes, what do I do? And I'm like, nothing. Go back to sleep. <laughs> I was like, come on, babe. You know, it's it just, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, you know, that to me. That, that just cracked me up. I was like, there's no freaking way. I'm in a goddamn blizzard and you're calling me because there's a mouse? Oh, yeah. The the level of disconnect between the, the driver and, and non-driver out there. <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, this is going on. And it's like, oh, well. Yeah, and they, they have no idea the day you went through. No, that's awesome. So so nothing crazy. You never saw any crazy, uh, no uh, no drug deals, no, uh, no prostitutes oh, yeah. killing anybody? Oh, yeah. Dude, I've been, I've had door knockers all over the freaking, yeah, everywhere. You know, you'd come walking out of a truck stop. Hey, baby, you want a date? You know, the old Steel City truck stop, you know, in, in there in Gary, Indiana. Take a bath in that. The potholes there, you could take a bath back in the day. You know. You that get, was a sketchy place. Yeah. You go in the back row. For go anybody, in the back it's row not and, been you know, around forever. You know. That's you, the Petro now. It's the Petro. The current Petro at Gary, Indiana is the old Steel City. That place was rough. That was that was the, <laughs> one of the roughest places. I that was the first time 
I'd ever have somebody, and it's, it, dude had a trench coat on, opened his trench coat, and he had watches and sunglasses. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm like, businessman. Just go, man. Just go. Just go away. You know. Oh, yeah. I stayed at the, I ignorantly stayed at the Petro in Gary, Indiana once too, where they have roving 24 hour security. And I, I actually did like a workout in front of my truck there with like a kettlebell and my jump rope. And the security guy was looking at me like I was a fucking moron. Like he was like, what, what is this kid doing? You can eat, you can hear the gunfire going on like in the area. And I was, but I was like, ah, the parking lot's well lit. There's a security guy. Let me get a quick 30 minutes in. Yeah. And the security guy's looking at me like, oh, who is this? That sleep, you know, sleeping sleeping in the truck in Compton, California, and having LAPD pull up and say, "Hey, is, is everything okay?" Oh yeah, everything's fine, man. I'm just gonna go to bed here. And he goes, "You probably wanna not." He goes, "Anyways, he goes, we'll be back by." I said, "Hey, dude, I can't move. I'm out of hours." You know, and that's back when the first e logs started coming out. And he's like, "Well, um, he goes, we'll come by every 30 minutes and check on you and make your make sure you're still living." Oh, okay. And all I heard all night was freaking gunfire. Yeah, and that's it. That's what. Yeah. That, and that's that's how it is. There's part. There's parts that are still like that. I mean, that I I was faced with that too. I was, I would we would do this turn and burn where I would drop off in Ontario, California, but I'd have to go all the way across L.A. to uh, by the port of Long Beach. I believe it's Carson, California, <laughs> which is right next to. Compton, I'd pick up from there, and that would go back to like Oklahoma City or something. But if I wasn't, if I wasn't out of that warehouse by three p.m., you're screwed. So I would cheat, and you know, I would put myself on PC just to get back to the TA in Ontario because yep. there's absolutely nowhere safe at all to park exactly. in that in that area. Uh, you know, you're you're just you're you're fucked if you stay around there. But uh, so what, one last question before before we sign off. If if I was a brand new driver, you know, you you're a seasoned veteran in, the, in this game. Uh, well, number well, actually, two questions. No, if you're a season you're a seasoned veteran in this game. If I was a new driver, what what route would you tell them to go? Like where you know, besides Walmart, is there a certain career path you would you would direct guys to go to, or maybe you got any other companies you want to give a shout out to? Well, there, there's there's two answers to it, um, because there, there's there's always the LTL game, and the LTL game you're you're still driving a truck, but you're going to be home every night. Um, and then you have to look at, it, at what what kind of lifestyle you want to live. Um, and there's you know it, yeah, a lot of people knock mega carriers, but there's actually and there, there's been a lot of you know a, a lot of good things that have you know, progressed in some of those mega carriers. Um, you, you're probably going to want to just do your time with that and then, you know, work your way into, you know, what whatever niche you want to be in. I mean, there's all kinds of niches in trucking. And, uh, you know, and, and if you have a particular itch, itch, go scratch it. Go do it. Yeah. Now, th that That's another thing that's key, too, I think. I'm glad you brought that up. It's like people think trucking is a one-size-fits-all game. It's absolutely not like, you know, Chris, you love doing the pneumatic stuff. Like you're all about it. There's people who love doing flatbed. There's people who want to just bump docks. There's people who want to move 
you know, overdimensional stuff. Like you, you have to find your niche. There's people who love reefer. I don't know why they love doing, doing reefer because I, I wouldn't be able to stand the appointment times. And then, yeah, it, because it's, it's region specific. There's a company I was actually going to, you know, I had him on the show. His name's Jesse. He works for a company called Central Oregon Truck Lines. Might've been a company, you know, if you known about they they would have, they would have loved to nab a guy like you up They're in the Western 11 quite often they're based out of Oregon and they could have had you home weekly or something running, running flatbed. You're still throwing a lot of tarps. And personally, maybe you're past, past the days of throwing a bunch of tarps, but like you got to find the right company. But yeah, some of them like TMC, another a TMC from what I see, I've talked to so many TMC drivers. They seem to be a very good flatbed company who has made yeah. really good decisions. Their pay scale is good. They'll um, whatever you've got going on, they'll kind of build something around you. If you want to be home weekly regional or something so that they're good too but yeah finding yeah i think that's the the best way to word is finding your niche do you want to do ltl do you want to go over the road and then i guess the next question is are the roles going to switch now chris got you to autumn are you going to drag him over to walmart now well he he wants a report card i always get a report card everywhere he goes so okay um if the report card looks good i i as far as being an owner operator my position it's as good as it's going to get it's not going to get much better uh, unless you add it. Yeah. Unless you add a truck, get your own DOT. Yeah. yeah unless I, you know, get into the new truck game. And I, you know, sometimes I want that. And sometimes I don't, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into my story on the, the next podcast. Whenever we get that, we'll, yeah, do we'll, be... full, we'll do the full thing there. But, you know, I mean, I've been with autumn for 13 years. My numbers are solid. I, I live in a good area in the country where I can get a pretty decent amount of home time. So there's there's not a lot of reason for me to 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 change, but I'm also only 41 years old, and uh, you know, I've got at least at least 29 more years of trucking in me, if not longer. So you know, I don't know what the long game is right now. Um, currently, I'm not you know not thinking about leaving, but I'm also an opportunity guy. So yeah. You know, if it jumps at you, if yeah, it there's makes a it makes a better lifestyle sense Then yeah. I mean, Walmart's a perfect company. And then, you know, as my part, if you're a new driver, wherever you go, go there with the plan of a sticking there at least a year, if not two. I always tell guys two years, same company, zero wrecks. Don't sign a lease purchase. Do those things. And usually, you know, I've always made good money in trucking. You can always do it. Sometimes you got to do things you don't really want to do, but you know, you, you can, you can make a good living and uh, life out of career out of trucking. Yeah. It's still, the, it's still there. The, the, it, there. It is still a good career for, for anyone and for anyone who wants it. It's just, as opposed to pre 1980, it's harder to find you do you know, because in pre 1980, you pretty much had two options. Either you're going to the union or you were an independent kind of outlaw wildcatter. And both of those were good options and very lucrative. And for the outlaw, but in the out, for those outlaw guys, the non-union guys pre, pre-1980, they were still their own boss kind of the way. It, it, there wasn't as much like corruption as it was. I mean, these guys ran by a code. And so it was, it, you only had those two options and it was really regionally specific. But now to find the good in a trucking career, you've really, you've got to read between the weeds and you've got to meet the right people. You've got to network. You've got to talk. I mean, it, there's so much, you got to find it. And then you got to also make sure you keep your shit, keep your record clean enough to, to get it. Absolutely. Yep. But yeah. No, Hey, uh, Dave, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show. That's an awesome story, man. Like I said, I give you a lot of, a lot of credit, 
Um, like I said, I don't know. I don't know if I could have, uh, if I would have had the same level of, of mental headspace to persevere the same way you had. So, so I got to give it to you. You, you don't have any sort of social media. Uh, so, so, you know, anybody listening can't really find you, but if they see, if they see you driving out there in the Western 11 in a Walmart truck, I guess I'll have to give you the, the, the honk. Absolutely. Wave with all your fingers. Yeah, wave with all of them. And for you guys listening, thanks. If you if you made it this far, uh, you know where to find me anywhere uh, at Lombard Trucking. Reach out. And we're going to have Chris, the indie trucker, on very, very soon once we get a schedule going. And with that, we will see you all in the next one. Take care. Thanks.